0: Join me in Joshua 14 as we continue our series entitled More. We are on a 21-day fast, and um, I think we're in day 13 or 14. Today is day 14. Um, This fast ends next Sunday, so after uh, church next week, you can go and have your burgers and pizzas and all that good stuff. So yeah, join me. Verse 6, Joshua chapter 14, and it reads this here. A delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb. So I'm going to skip some names and tribes. Don't judge me. Um, came to Joshua at Gilgal. So Caleb and his, his tribe came to, to Joshua. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. Canaan was the promised land. God had promised this land to his people, his chosen people, some seven to 800 years before this interaction between Joshua and Caleb. And um, I'll give you more context on that in a minute. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God, so that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord, my God. Yeah. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive uh, and well as he promised all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wander in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So I want to let you know that today you are not weaker than you were yesterday. You're just as strong, if not stronger, than you were in the past. You may not feel like it, but the fact that you're here means that you're stronger and you've grown. And so he says this here, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, as young men, we found the descendants of Anak. In the Hebrew, that word means long-necked. So when they went into the promised land to spy it out, there were these tall, giant guys, seven, eight feet tall. And he says this here, living there in, a, in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua, bless Caleb. Go ahead, man. He said this and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So it still belongs to Caleb. No one has ever said in the history of ever that I want less blessing. But we agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Is y'all awake? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, cool. No one has ever said I want less. No one has ever said I want less strength, less energy, um, less muscle. Well, maybe. <laughs> Anissa, you know who I'm looking at. Francis in shape. (laughs) Jason, what was that? (laughs) No, we all say, I want more. After 400 years of slavery in Egypt, um, the people of God began to cry out to God. Um, You'll read this in Exodus 2. And the Bible says that God heard their cries and he remembered his promise to Abraham, their forefather. And so God rose up a leader whose name was Moses. And he sent Moses into Egypt to deliver his people. So this is this is just something it's not really a part of my message, but you have to understand that Jesus will save you. Jesus will take you to heaven. He will forgive your sin. But Jesus is always going to use man to lead you. Jesus is always going to use man to lead you. Jesus will speak to you. He'll guide you. He'll bring you clarity. But through and through the Bible, he raises up leaders to lead the people doesn't make us any less than or any more. It, it just its what it is. Ephesians 4 says, God gave these gifts, the apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, the prophets, to raise up, to train, to equip the body of Christ to do the work that you've been called to do. And so he rose up a leader named Moses, and God delivered them from bondage in Egypt. And uh, then as God was leading them out of Egypt towards the promised land, he stops at the edge at the border of the promised land. It's called Kadesh Barnea. And God said, Moses, I need you to send in 12 spies into the promised land. The Bible says that the season was ripe for fruit in the promised land. God is so strategic. He says, I'm going to send them in when it's all good so that you can bring back some of the fruit of my goodness and show the people. And so um, these 12 leaders were were over the 12 tribes of Israel, which made up the nation of Israel. And um, they came back to give a report. Ten out of the 12 leaders gave a discouraging report. Ten out of the 12 leaders said, yeah, God is good. Yes, he has great plans in store. Yes, he is at work. But, it's a big but, he said, but. They said, but the, the walls are fortified, and the people are too strong, and they're too mighty. It's just too much. We're going to die. And so those 10 guys that you will never name your sons after are irrelevant. This is why you name your sons Joshua and Caleb, right? As a matter of fact, my name is Joshua. Before I even knew Jazeel, I didn't know it. His name is Jazeel Caleb Peak. We don't know those other ten jokers because they were fearful, they had no faith, they were not committed, they didn't want more. We don't know who they are, but we know Joshua and Caleb, and we know that they are best friends in scripture. And so they said the walls are too high, the people are too strong. you got to understand, 400 years of slavery, Joshua and Caleb are beginning to feel sentiments of the past. So you have um, about 1.2 million adults and about seven or 800,000 children. So there are about 2 million people that these 12 leaders are responsible for. Delegated leadership, God, Moses, the 12 leaders. And Moses is just kind of standing there. The 10 are discouraging the people. Joshua and Caleb are crying out, we can't go back. You got to begin to think they're thinking about all the hard work and the toil and the pain, and the homelessness, and the struggle that they had to go through in Egypt. At one point, Pharaoh took away their tools to do their work. They had to make the tools and then do the work. It was very harsh. I I can imagine Caleb and Joshua thinking about how grandma died, and how grandpa died, and how aunt and uncle died back in Egypt, and they just go into this promised land with all this fruit, all of this lushness, all of the water, and the greenery out of the desert, and they're like, we're not going back to that. I don't care how big the giants are. I don't care what the challenge is. I don't care what the situation is. We're not going back to less. We're stepping into the more that God has for us. And so you'll read in in Numbers 14 where Caleb is saying we can do it. We just got to fight, focus, and have faith that God is going to do it. Essentially, they were committed to more. Committed to more. I believe that we're in a room full of people who haven't even scratched the surface of your potential. Mm -hmm. But the difference will be, the difference is going to be your commitment. Are you committed to fulfilling your potential? I want to bring you a message entitled committed to more. Committed to to more. I'm going to make three quick statements about fasting. And then we'll proceed with the rest of the message. Number, number one is this: go ahead and write this down: Fasting is commitment. Fasting is commitment. I'm sure you've been tempted to quit. You may have even taken a bite of some meat when no one was watching, the Lord was watching. Just want to remind you, But your love enough, overflowing. Jesus, your love and forgiveness is enough. Or when I take this bite of pizza and no one's watching. I know y'all done broke your fast. It's okay. But fasting is, in fact, commitment. I was, I was fixing a hot dog the other day, and I'm like, ah, Lord, I'm the pastor. I can't be doing this. <laughs> ah. It's a commitment. Number two, fasting grows the commitment muscle. What I love about fasting is is that, yeah, yeah, you may be committed to denying yourself food and seeking God, because that's what a fast is. It means to abstain from physical food for a spiritual purpose. Um, It's not just growing your commitment towards God or spiritual things, but it overflows into the rest of your life. It it overflows, that commitment. And commitment is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. And fasting stretches it, and it grows it. Number three, I love this one. Commitment and increase are best friends. I was 40, now I'm 85. I was 40, now I'm 85. And I want what God has promised me. 45 years of circling the wilderness. Forty five years. Because what happened is is that God became displeased with the Moses generation and, and and what was an eleven day journey to the promised land became forty years of purging. The wrong people. So out of one point two to one point five million adults, only two made it into the promised land from Moses' generation. It's because they were they were committed. The word commitment, if you're taking notes, means to be dedicated to something, to be dedicated, to not be swayed. I'm committed to this thing. Right. Uh, my wife and I, we had a few potholes in, in, in our relationship over the holidays, um, but, but we, we, we resolved to be, to be committed. Right. Yeah, this is tough, and we're arguing, and there's some things that I need to change and you need to change, but we're committed to our children we're committed to our grandchildren who are not here. We're committed to our great great-grand- great-grandchildren because we know God's going to bless us with long life. So we got to figure this out. We got to love each other. We got to have fun. I got to do better. You got to do better because we're committed to the more that God has in store for us. It's all about being stuck. Stuck. And 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 not just surviving, right? Well, we're married. We signed the paper. So I'm stuck with you. Right, mama. I'm stuck with you. Y'all give it up. My mother-in-law is here, her beautiful self, and my future father-in-law, Michael. Give it up for Michael. Yeah, they are—they're amazing, man. That's where we go to escape when y'all drive me crazy. We go to Land of Lakes, and they—I mean—they see the best and the worst of me. I mean, I'm walking around their house during Christmas break, pajamas on, just. Uh, Do I got to go back to Maryland? (laughs) It's a fine line, you know. Um, But you got to be a human somewhere. Sorry, what was I talking about? (laughs) Commitment and increase are best friends. Commitment always precedes growth, promotion, and blessing. Wherever you you see growth and success in, in any area of someone's life, it was built on commitment. And, and they were determined not to just endure it, but to thrive through it. Yeah. So how can, I, how, how can I make the best out of the wilderness years to thrive through it? I want to give you three ways that Caleb was committed to more. Fasting is commitment. Here it is. Number one, Caleb was committed to trusting God's promises. Caleb was committed to trusting what God said. It says this here in Joshua fourteen ten. It says, now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised. God promised it for all these 45 years. Today, I am 85 years old. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. There are over 5,000 promises from God towards you in the Bible. There are over 5,000 promises from God towards you in the Bible. These are promises of forgiveness, healing, promises of freedom, Growth, blessing, 5,000 promises. And what you got to do is you got to be committed to learning what those promises are. That's why I love seasons of fasting, because we should be intentional about setting aside time to read the scripture. And as you read the scripture, instruction and promises come out. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and it is breathing and it is sharper than any two edged sword. The Bible is the only book that you can read and and you feel as though you're looking right in a mirror. It's because when, when you read the word, God himself is speaking to you. It's one of the way I, I can't hear God speak. I haven't heard. I never heard God speak. Well, it's quite simple. Just pick up your Bible and, and, and God will speak to you. And you got to be committed to learning what those promises are. What I love about Highlight Church is that there wasn't a day I could have imagined. Man, my God, this room is like, please add another service. Like we're to capacity in the service. But there was a day where I, I couldn't I couldn't see this. I couldn't see this. Week two of Highlight Church, there were 28 adults in here and like 13 kids in the back. But, but I stood on the promise that Jesus says in Matthew, I think 18, I will build my church. So, so when I'm living life, I can't live life from the vantage point of what's happening. I have to live life from the vantage point of what God has said. And unless you know what God has said, woo, it's going to be tough. But Caleb was committed. He says this here in Joshua, once again, 14:10. Pull that back up. The Lord has kept me alive as he has promised. What keeps a man thriving or a woman thriving, ladies? I got you, in the wilderness for 40 years? A promise. A promise. A promise of blessing. A promise of more. A promise of purpose. I'm not, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not through with you yet. There's still a calling on your life. There's still a destiny on your life. You may not know all the details, but, 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 but what gets you to stick? It's a promise. And when you're fasting and praying, God reveals things to you about your life and about your future and about your, your relationships and about your destiny and about the kinds of doors he wants to open for your life. But what gets you to stick? It's committing to trusting God's promises. It's getting out of the self-help section of Barnes and Nobles. It's getting off of Instagram. It's getting off of Facebook, and it's getting in God's face and learning and trusting His promises. It's a promise. Caleb was committed. I mean, those jokers went into uh, the promised land. They came back out with all. And the Bible says that there were two guys who were carrying. Clusters of grapes back into the wilderness. It doesn't make specifically, uh, it doesn't tell us specifically who they were. I believe it was Caleb and Joshua. I believe not only did they have a vision, but they had a, a tangible, a taste of what that promise was. You have tasted the goodness of God in your life. You've tasted the forgiveness. You've gotten the strength. You've hurt back from the job. They hired you. You've gotten the grades you shouldn't have gotten. You've gotten the healing. God wants to do more than that. He doesn't just want to heal you one time. He wants to give you strength as he promised. And now I'm 85 years old. So God preserved Caleb and he preserved the promise. God said, I'm going to just wait here. And I'm going to just protect your promise. This promise is for, we always use these words, John Doe. This one is for Susan. This one is for Francie. This is for Anissa. This is for Kyra. This is for Jaziel. This is for the, and I'm going to protect these promises. And I'm going to preserve their lives because I'm so loving until they actually have a chance to experience the promise. Caleb was committed to trusting Promises. Five thousand. Promises. Five thousand. Get into this thing. Promises. Five thousand. What you reading today after church? Promises. Get into them. God wants to say something to you. Promises. Deliverance. Promises. Power. Promises. Strength. Promises. Freedom. Promises. Future. Promises. Oh, man. Oh, come on, Trevor. Promises. 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 Don't even try to, well, well I got I to gotta add it up and divide it and I don't know if God works like that. You're done. You're done. Well, I'm a logical thinker. I'm practical. Are you about to? Okay. All right. Believe him by faith. Number two, Caleb was committed to having a futuristic spirit. I'm practical too, but there are some things I, I, can't, I can't calculate. There are some things I can't make sense out of. I, I just got to have faith for it, and I got to step into it, and I got to hold on to it, and in time, God just comes through. You, you can't calculate it all. You can't all write it down. You got to just have that faith and trust in that promise. Caleb was committed to having a futuristic spirit. It says this here, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. The word different here in the Hebrew, the original language means next. It means next. So Caleb had a for thinking spirit. I've come to find this out in 14 years of following Jesus. It's God's responsibility to fulfill his promise. It's my responsibility to maintain a healthy spirit. The promise is there. But what about my attitude? The promise is there. But what about my thinking? The, the, the door is the about to open wide. I mean, God is about to fling it open. But what about my consistency to get to the door? It, it, it's my responsibility to keep my spirit healthy. Sometimes our greatest enemy is self. Yes. So, so as the children of Israel are going towards the promised land, and that's the thing, it was the promised land. So it was already theirs, but they hadn't tangibly taken possession of it yet. Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. It was already theirs, but they hadn't taken possession of it yet, which tells me this. It didn't matter how big the walls were. It didn't matter how strong the people were. What mattered was the spirits of the people. So so God God makes it very specific by saying Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different mindset. He had a different attitude. While there were 10 leaders and 1.5 million people over here and adults, there were two guys over here that had a different spirit. They stayed above the bitterness. They stayed above the anger. They stayed above the attitudes. They kept a different spirit. Your greatest enemy is not the devil. It is not your absent father. It is not your absent mother. It is not what the job did to you. Your greatest enemy, the greatest enemy to your potential is self. And so Caleb was committed to saying, I got to get my spirit right. This was almost a point, but go ahead and write this down. Caleb was committed to self-examination. The Bible is replete in this teaching. Paul tells us to examine our hearts. Lamentations 3, the prophet Jeremiah says, Lord, take a look on the inside of me. During a season of fasting and prayer, it's a good, a, good, a good season to say, God, what parts of my heart do you want to change? What areas of my life do you want to work on? Because, God, you know that, that it's the inside that's keeping me from the more that you have for my life. Who, who do I need to forgive in January? I said I would forgive him when the new year came. Now it's almost February. I'm still bitter. I'm still hurting. Who do I need to forgive by in the next seven days to move forward? He said he wholeheartedly served me. He had a heart of repentance. And so God wants to heal you from the inside. Caleb was determined to rise above. Number three, Caleb was committed to being a faithful servant. Committed to more. Isaiah 58 is a fasting scripture. Y'all okay out there? It's a fasting scripture. And God tells the children of Israel, this is the kind of fasting I want. So, so, you know, to give you context, he says, we fast and we come before God. Oh, we're not eating and we're struggling. Uh, he says, that's a religious spirit. He says, this is the kind of fasting I want. He says this here in verse 6, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you or those you work for. I'll switch that up. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Be an encourager. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. As you're fasting, God will heal every part of your life. If you're focused on blessing someone else. If you're focused on being a servant. God will, God will heal it. Is what He's saying. That's my promise. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. God is saying, stop gossiping. That's one way to turn a fast into a diet. Is gossiping. God's in heaven. Like, I thought you was fasting. Why are you still gossiping? I, th- I thought this was between, you know, I thought you wanted to get closer to me. Like he saying, stop all that. Stop all that. We preach a lot of grace and forgiveness. People need it. People need it. People need to know God loves them. People need it. And I'll preach that until the day I die. But I'm, I'm more for this, that, that salvation is the most important step. A relationship with Jesus is the most important step. But I heard a preacher once say one day, if Satan can't keep you from Jesus, he will keep you a bitter Christian. And so the thing that keeps you away from bitterness and, 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 and lack and a negative attitude is to be intentional about living a righteous life. You know you need to control that tongue. You know you need to control that negativity. You know you need to control that attitude by the grace of God. So even God is saying here, this isn't me. God is saying this here. He, he, he says, stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. I'm not going to zap you. You're not just gonna be a goody two shoes. Stop it. <laughs> Repent of it. Because I can't bless you. You love someone, and as soon as they turn their back, you're talking about them. Stop it on this fast. Break that spirit of gossip off of your life. Break it, break it, break it, break it, break it. Examine your heart. Stop it. Stop it. This is old school preaching. Just tell us God loves us. Yeah, yeah. No, God loves you. Let's grow up. Yeah. Don't y'all want some preaching that's going to grow you, that's going to stretch you, that's going to get right there in your seat and make your butt kind of juggle like, ooh, that itches. Oh, that just, uh, but I'm growing. We ain't come here to entertain. Uh, and I'm trying to stick with my poem. You know, I got notes, but. God's like, stay right there because that's what I'm working on because they're praying during this fast for this and this and this and this and this and this and, this and, this and that. But what I want to deal with this year is that tongue. I want to deal with that heart because that's what's preventing them from getting the more that I have. I want to deal with that lack of faith. I want to deal with it because I don't want them to be like the 10 spies that died in the wilderness who did not deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Bring it before God and deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. I, I love it. Here it is. I'm in a, um, oh, man, it's, God's it's been so good. Um, you know, we, we moved from, from Florida, and um, God has done his most restorative work in, in my relationship with, with my father mm-hmm. since moving here. My dad has been a great dad. I wouldn't trade him for nothing in the world. But um, you're just seeing him bring our relationship full circle. Full full circle. You're seeing him bring it full circle in the sense of, like, how can I put this? So when when we moved here, um, he gave his life to Jesus, and we took this joke away from Florida to be baptized in Gaithersburg at 79 years old, but beyond that, it's just been restoration in our communication. A lot of, son, I'm proud of you, and, and I love you, and, and and then as his other kids have grown up, I mean, I, Jesus Christ, I didn't, I just didn't know, I knew how many kids he had, and he wouldn't be ashamed if he was here, I just didn't know the extent of Papa was a rolling stone. I didn't know the extent. And so we we went back home uh, uh, for Christmas and holiday, New Year, and I was able to have breakfast with six of my brothers. All from the rolling stone years. And I'm like, that's your mom. That's your mom. That's your mom. I'm glorious, kid. But we were all just there basking in our father's presence. We can clap that up. That's good stuff. I think, I think what I'm getting at here, because this isn't part of my notes, what I'm getting at here is, is this. is that it's taken 14 years of, of consistency and commitment to Jesus to see God heal things in my family. To, to see my brother say, wow, little bro, because I'm the baby, little bro loves God. And now seeing all them in church and, Little bro isn't, isn't bitter about dad. And to see us all there just enjoying, we can clap about that. I'm talking about being committed to this and this. And forgiving people and letting people go and, and supporting your kids and forgiving your children and forgiving your parents. And, because a lot of times you don't understand your parents' context. You don't understand your aunt and your uncle's context. And, and so Caleb had to drop a lot of that stuff before he entered into the promised land. God, God, God can only trust you with more responsibility. When, when you're healthy enough on your insides to be, God, let me put it to you this way. God will not entrust us with a growing church. If me and Pastor Kyra were not always self-examining ourselves and saying, babe, this needs to change in your life. And she's saying, babe, you need to work on this. And us being honest about that, because we don't want to prevent the blessing from coming into our lives. So it's just been really a restorative work, and it's been so good. And he says this here, verse 10, uh, Isaiah 58, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength as we move into this building, never in my life known certain things existed in the realm of of business and city and people and 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 people and places of authority that you gotta work with and you gotta talk to and, and you gotta work things out. But the Bible says the Lord will guide you. God will give you discernment and wisdom for your situation, how to deal with people, how to deal, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. God will guide you during a season of fasting. He'll give you supernatural wisdom. So when people have been asking me, Pastor, they'll text me, how can I pray for you? I've been telling everyone in here who's texted me during this fast, I need you to pray for four things: inner, inner strength, wisdom, favor with man, and strategy. Inner strength. Wisdom, favor with man, and strategy. I need to know how to navigate this season. God is saying, I will guide you in this season. I'm going to guide your relationships. I'm going to guide your marriage. I'm going I'm to guide you into your destiny. I'm going to guide you into your future. And he says this here, the Lord will guide you continually. You will be like a well-watered garden, garden, Like an ever flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. This is what we're saying. As you fast, as you fast, write this down. Be sure to dedicate your life to being a blessing, not just receiving blessings. That's what God is saying. Be sure to dedicate your life to being a blessing, not just receiving blessings. Dedicate your heart to serving. Who can you serve in your neighborhood? Who can you serve in your job? How can you serve your supervisor better? How can you serve your teachers and your professors better? How can you serve your church better? How can you not just be present physically, but be present emotionally? How can you come in with a smile? How, how, how can you? He's saying, change all this religious stuff. I know you're hungry. I know you're tired. I know you want some meat, but let's really get to the nitty gritty of it. I want you to be a servant. You're about to rebuild a city. You're about to touch the nation. You're gonna touch the world. And I want that to overflow into every area of your life. Jesus put it like this. He says, those who are considered great in the kingdom of heaven are servants. We live in a culture that teaches us serve yourself. Build your own wealth. Do just enough to get by. Be only passionate about the things you care about. Just show up and be B-grade, C-grade to anything else that anyone else owns that you're a part of. But when it's your thing, give it your best. That's the kind of world we live in. Jesus says be passionate about all of it. Show up with a smile to all of it. Show up excellent to all of it. Then, then, then the more will come. And so practically here, we encourage you, if you've been here for weeks or months and you love Highlight and you consider this your home church, come on. Let's, let's do this thing together. It's time to serve. It's time to serve. You, you can put a smile on someone's face who, who, is, who is contemplating um, um, bad decisions. When they pull in and you're on the parking team and you smile and you say those kind words, the Spirit of God can flow through your mouth and minister to them. We tell our, our team here that the gospel starts in the parking lot, not with the worship, not when I grab the microphone. The good news of Jesus starts right out there in that parking lot. You can take it to the back. If you love kids, if you are a teacher, if you have a passion for kids, you can allow God to use you back there. If you love being in this sanctuary, praying over the chairs, seating people, making them feel welcome, God can use you through there. God is saying on this fast, make a decision to serve me like you've never served me before. And that's when I'm going to start doing the more in your life. That's when I'm going to start it. Caleb was a faithful servant. You served me wholeheartedly. And at, ooh, that's so good. As you serve me, I preserve you. So Hebrews 6, I don't have it. Hebrews 6 says this. It says, um, don't give up in your serving. It says, don't, don't, don't give up in loving people the way that you've always done. And, and it says this in Hebrews 6, and you should read it as 9 through 12. Pull that thing up. You know how to edit that? It's the 11 o'clock. I promise we'll get out on time. But I, I got to show us this. Hebrews 6, you got it. 9 through 12. Let me know when you're ready. Y'all okay? All right. We're going to grow this year. In, in here, we're going to go. They're doing a great job. I can't fill in time. I don't have anything else to say. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to just get here. So Beautiful. Give it up for production, everybody. Love it. It says here, dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. So to give you context, the author was talking about people who have come to faith, but they've fallen off. So he has to soften it up and he says, we don't believe this applies to you. Right? It's balanced preaching. Right? He says this here. We are confident that you are meant for better things that come with salvation. Wow. Here it is. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. So when you serve in a local church. Yes, we minister to people who don't know God and who come here, but your first assignment is to serve your brothers and sisters. And he says this here by caring for other believers. Verse 11, here it is. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. As long as you're breathing, love hard, and courage. I've come to find out that church is what you make it. Ugh. Oh, you know, I went in. It was okay. That means you were okay. Well, church was great. How did you, let me ask you something. Church was great. How did you feel coming to church? I felt awesome. Domino effect. You get out of church, what you put into it. You can't expect me to come here and excite you and and teach you everything. You get out of it, what you put into it. This is Paul is talking. Paul is this isn't Paul, we don't know who the author is. He's he's given a call to action. He's saying there's only so much you can learn before you begin to passionately apply what you learn. You understand this. When a PhD or master's, or whenever you get a job. They don't hire you based upon what's on your resume. They don't pay you based upon what's on your resume. They pay you based upon application. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. You get blessed, you get the more based on application of what you've learned. So, this is why I say this, okay? I'll I'll substantiate all this. Here it is Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain, here's a promise that what you hope for will come true. So you're you're serving. So you have prayers. Lord Jesus, do this in my life. Do that, do that, do that. God's going to do some of that. Uh, Do that, yeah. And you're praying into tomorrow, things that you hope for. God is saying that after you pray, it's the serving That's going to solidify the thing that you hope for. It's the application. It's the work. It's the making a difference. It's the blessing other people. (laughs) But that's not even the best part. Verse 12 is the best part. Then you will not become spiritually dull and come to church with all these dry opinions of what church should be and what the preacher should wear and what people should do. You will come in that thing looking to make a difference, looking to change the world. You won't be sitting on your butt consuming and the church should do this and do that. Instead, you will follow the example, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, that's something you can read during this fast. You will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God. Caleb? God's promises because of their faith and commitment, endurance. It's the serving that keeps you sharp. So so God is saying, this is the kind of fast I'm looking for. Filled up super steps. Filled up highlight the city sheets. That's the kind of fast I'm looking for. Because there are things that you're praying about, but you're not taking the steps to get to what I want to do in your life. So, so what what was I saying? I was saying that serving—if you serve me, I'll preserve you—is what God is saying. Caleb, this doesn't make any sense. When he was 40, he was in his prime, but he says I'm just as strong now as I was back then. What kept him strong? What kept him sharp? Serving. God, what do you need? You need prayer. You need a blessing. You need some money. You need some food? You need me to come over? You need me to read the scripture with you? You need me to do this? You need me to do that? Just building those muscles of faith. And he's staying strong. And he's at that one final push. I want my hill. I want my mountain. I'm ready to go. Because he stayed strong for 45 years. And now he's ready for that final push. Are you ready for that final push? God is going to want to, I'm prophesying right now, God is going to want to open the biggest door of your life come this time next year. The question won't be, will the door open? The question will be, have you built the strength? Have you been serving? Have you stayed sharp? The 10 didn't want it. They weren't committed to more. And a lot of them, if you would read Numbers 14, a lot of them said, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt? Egypt means sin. It's all a shadowing of Christ. Even when they went through the Red Sea, that's a foreshadowing of baptism. Moses did his staff, the Red Sea opened, they left Egypt, and they entered the wilderness. What was supposed to be an 11-day journey became a 40-year purge, all because they didn't believe in the goodness and in the promises of God. Three benefits of commitment. Number one, commitment guarantees success of all kinds. Commitment. I was watching an a interview with Jeff Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon. And I mean, if you're on the road, you look up, any window of five minutes, you see an Amazon van or something. What I didn't know, babe, is that there was a point in in Jeff's life and in his uh, start with Amazon where he was the only one that packaged all the orders, and and he would take them to to the post office, and he knew the entire staff, all their names by heart, and he'd go back home and there'd be more orders. He'd have to pack them, he'd drop them off, go, and now it's one employee to over 700,000 employees. Now cities are begging Amazon to come, build your factory here, do it here. New York just kicked them out because they're gonna have to pay a certain amount of taxes and pay a certain amount into Amazon to, to, to let them into this particular city in New York. And um, he, he was saying in his story, in this video I was watching that, in those early days, they would, they would get on the ground and and packed the boxes on their knees. And they had so much work piling up um, to where one day he told his partner, he said, I need to buy us some knee pads. And his partner was like, that's stupid. (laughs) You need to buy us some packing tables. Oh, yeah, you're right. So he (laughs) bought packing tables. (laughs) And he started. But that's why I'm inspired by Caleb because he started here in Egypt as a, as a little boy, as a, as a little boy, Judah's age, Jay's age, because they were slaves. It wasn't no fun. There was no playtime. Get your little butt to work or you get whooped. Five, 10, 15, 20. Seeing his uncle. And his aunts, they don't want to listen, so they're getting in trouble. It started, it started little, and God took him from the floor to the table. And, and all, all along, God is watching this Joshua generation rise up, and he has his eyes on Caleb. And he says, this is a person that I, I'm committed to their success. I see you, baby boy. Keeps, I know it's a struggle. I, I know it hurts. I know it's painful. But I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And, and it starts here, y'all. But any any type of success in your life is built on the foundation of commitment. And if God has not called you to uproot, you do not uproot. Well, Lord, Lord, I'm doing what's right in it's heart. Keep doing what's right. Well, God, I've been reading and, you know, it, it hasn't happened yet. Nope. Keep reading, keep praying, keep doing it, keep doing it. Galatians 6, 9 says this here. It says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <laughs> Commitment. I was going to share this on February 2nd, Vision Sunday. God's moving because a lot of stuff is not in my notes. <sighs> so day 10, January 2012 of that fast, that's the day that God called me into full-time ministry to pursue vocational ministry, day 10. And so that was eight years ago. The number eight Biblical meaning is new beginnings. So we showed you guys the video on offering Sunday, and I I said, you know, February or whatever date I said, we're going to start building. We're going to start doing it. Uh, The city's been pushing us back, and we're dealing with certain contractors and all that stuff. And we're just getting annoyed because there's a week worth of work that we lost because the landlord was out on vacation, and they just signed the lease. And I'm just like, man, what's going on? Like, let's come on, come on, we're losing time, we're losing time, we're losing time. Little did I know. And we tend to forget that God is in control. That um, day eight, the lease would be signed. Day nine, we would call our general contractor, say, "Hey, show up in the morning to knock the walls down." They said they can't show up, even though they had been saying, just call us and we're going to be ready. They said, we can't come. They said, tomorrow we're going to come and start to demolish the walls. Day 10, exactly eight years, new thing, eight years after I said yes to my calling, we demolished the walls of this building to move into our first permanent location. Commitment, (laughs) commitment, (laughs) commitment. Commitment, 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 commit to the Lord. Don't grow tired. It was promised. He is so in the details. And it says this here, commitment guarantees fulfillment. We're almost done. It says we must keep our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. Who leads us, I love that, thank you Lord, and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross. Watch this here. (laughs) Because he knew later on he would be glad he did. Now he is seated on the right side of God's throne. He endured the shame of being nailed to the cross because later on, not now, Later on, he knew he would be glad to. Fulfillment, watch this. Fulfillment is always, and I'm almost done, it's always on the other side of hard times. But it's the commitment that's going to get you to the other side. Okay? And our last point, I'm going to get you home. God is committed to your future. God is committed to your future. God made a promise to Caleb. And I just want to encourage you with this. As long as there is breath in your lungs, your best days are ahead. I want to encourage you with that. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you. He said, I was 40. Now I'm 85. And I'm ready to go. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so very much that you are committed to us, that you are committed to our freedom, our growth, our blessing. God, we thank you that you are the God of the details of our lives. We thank you, God, that even now you're you're working out all things for the good, God, we just pray and we ask for the strength to remain locked in and committed to what it is you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. God, we thank you for this fast. God, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the miracles of healing, the blessings of breakthrough. We thank you for the doors that have been opened. We even thank you in the hard times because we know they don't last. So with every head bowed, if there's anyone in here that would say, I need Jesus in my life. I feel far from God. I want to encourage you with the fact that God loves you. And that Jesus Christ, the son of God, he came and he lived a life that we could not live. So that he could bring us into a relationship with the father. And his blood was shed on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And I want to give you that opportunity and invite you to trust him with your life today. Pray this along with me. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Make your home in my heart. I turn from my old ways. I thank you that there is a destiny, there is a calling, and there is a purpose set aside for my life. And today I trust you. I make you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's put your hands together for that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Just want to encourage you that if you came back to Jesus today or if today was your first time coming to the Lord, I want to encourage you that we want to pray with you. We have a gift for you after the worship experience. child's going to walk you through all of that. It's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. Take care.